Greetings, Team Ajilam. Karibuni sana tena. This is now the final episode of the Faith Lifestyle series that we started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, actually, last year, um, towards the end of last year, that's when we started the series, and this is the last episode of that series. Um, so today what we're going to do is that we're going to look at the story of the Roman centurion who was commended by Yeshua for having great faith. And so I want us to read from Luke 7, from verse 1 to 10. Luke 7, 1 to 10. Let's read. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There's a centurion servant who his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house where the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Now again, the context around this story is that earlier in the day, what Jesus had been doing is that he preached the famous Sermon on the Mount in Galilee, right? And so Galilee is now different from where Capernaum is, which is where this story is, is, comes from. But the thing is that, so he's done the famous uh, Sermon on the Mount, you know, the Beatitudes, all that. And the thing is, is that for the people that were listening to him, a lot of those within the Jewish community considered Yeshua to be a rabbi, right? And the responsibility of a rabbi was to teach the law. No one had any authority to refine the law. Their responsibility was to teach the law. But here, Yeshua, what he does is that he tells the people, who many consider him to be a rabbi, where he's saying to them, you have heard it said, you shall not murder, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Or he says, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone that who, who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You have heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you in the right cheek, turn to the turn them the other cheek also this what yeshua is doing here is completely unheard of who is this guy refining the scriptures no one has that kind of authority in matthew 7 verse 28 it says that the people were so astonished by this guy's teaching and the way he taught that it says the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law i need you to pack that in your mind that he taught as one who had authority now after he has done preaching in galilee the bible says that he went back to capernaum which was approximately 32 kilometers which is basically about a six to eight hour walk the thing that's so fascinating, and this is something we'll talk about at some point, but it's so fascinating to me because I feel like this is a word that God gave, is, is, is that is when you think about how much 
the time in which Yeshua comes and the fact that he has to walk everywhere. Right? Do you think that's fascinating? And I think the thing that the reason why this stands out to me is just that thing for where God has been saying to me this year that walk with me. Walk with me. Walking is a, is about, is a, there's a certain pace. There's a certain pace about walking. There's a certain pace. It doesn't matter what you do. These guys had to take a six to eight hours to get to Capernaum. It doesn't matter whether there was donk, whatever it is. There was no like rapid transport. They had to walk there. And so Jesus gets back to Capernaum and is met by some Jewish elders that had been sent by a Roman centurion to ask for his help, right? Now, the Bible says that this Roman officer had heard about Yeshua, right? Now, in Matthew 4, it says that news about Yeshua had spread all over Syria, and people were bringing to him all who were suffering with various ailments. ailments. And so we know that the Roman officer, who was especially compassionate towards Jewish people, would have heard about Jesus. If he's hearing about the things that are happening in Galilee, which is not far from Capernaum, you know that this Roman officer, this Roman centurion, would have heard, because it says that this guy had heard about Yeshua. Right? Now, this Roman officer had built a synagogue in Capernaum, and as a result, had gained great favor with the Jewish leaders. This is why he was able to send Jewish officials to go and petition Jesus for his help. Right? And this is incredibly fascinating to think about because what this Roman centurion did in building a synagogue was incredibly generous. I mean, and the fact that he was a Roman centurion, a Gentile, building a synagogue was incredible. Right? And the thing that's so fascinating for me, like when you realize that, you know, generous people are never far from the kingdom. Eh? <laughs> like God loves people who give. Because if you remember the story, this is so interesting that when you connect this to remember the story of uh, in Acts 10 of Peter and Cornelius, who was also a centurion. Right. And it says of him, this Roman centurion, the Cornelius, that he and all his family were devout and God fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. He then went on to have the gospel literally delivered to him and his whole household being filled with the Holy Spirit. They were the first Gentiles to receive the Holy Spirit. A generous, prayerful centurion and his family were the first Gentiles to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, like the centurion in Capernaum, this Cornelius in Acts 10, too, loved the Jewish people and their faith and had acquired a reputation for generosity. So this, there's a lot of similarities between this Roman centurion, we don't know his name, who is in Capernaum, and as well as this Roman centurion who's in uh, Cornelius, who is in Acts 10, right? And you know the thing is, is that it's not within reach to say that the Roman centurion had, from what we've understood, had probably heard of the miracles that Yeshua had performed. Beyond that, and most importantly, he probably also heard how Yeshua taught as one with authority. Not like the other teachers of the law. Like, this guy was different. He taught as one with authority. And that's why it says... In the scripture that we just read in Luke, where it says that because of what he heard about Yeshua, he went and asked for his help because of what he had heard. And after Jesus agrees to respond to this man's request, what happens is that the Roman centurion has a revelation. 
Like when, when, when Yeshua responds and he's like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go heal this guy's servant. He has a revelation. And what he does is that when he has this revelation is that he sends some friends to Yeshua. And this, at this point in time, Yeshua is actually on the way to his house. But he sends friends to him. And he says to, to his friends to say to, this, to, 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 to Yeshua that you don't need to come to my place. You know what? I'm not worthy to have you here. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. Then he says, because I too am a man under authority. Basically what he's saying is that, here, what he's saying is that he understands how authority works. Because he too was a man with authority. When he says to one, go, they go. And to another, come, they come. In essence, he was saying his word is power. Whatever he says must happen. And so the Roman centurion pieced it together that based on what he had heard about Yeshua, how he healed, how he taught, that this was a man under authority. And if he has authority, then it means that he must exercise authority in a similar fashion to the way he as a centurion exercises authority. That all he has to do is say a word and things get done. Similar to the way he, he gives off a command and things get done. And the thing is that when Yeshua hears this, it says he marveled at this guy. He was amazed. Imagine that. Can you imagine that this guy had the kind of faith, man, I pray that we would have the kind of faith where literally God is like, wow. <laughs> this is what happened. Imagine this guy, Jesus is like, wow. This man's faith amazed Yeshua to the extent that he turns, Yeshua turns to those who are following him and he says, I have not found such great faith. And most shockingly was the fact that this was faith being exercised by a non-Jew, a Gentile. And so the question is, what can we learn from this story about great faith? And there's three things that I think I want to be able to bring out from this story. There are many things, but there's three things I want to focus in on. The first thing is that Jesus' word has authority. Yeshua's word has authority. Only say the word. You know, the thing that's interesting is, is that the Bible has 783,137 words. 783,137 words spoken to you from Yeshua. And this centurion only needed a word. That's all he needed, is a word, and his servant would be healed. There's this guy called Herbert Lockyer. In this book where he talks about, it's called All the Promises of the Bible. What he says is, is that during his reading of this word, he says, it took him like a year and a half, he says that he came up with a grand total of 8,810 promises given to us in God's word. If you calculate that, it's basically about 24 promises a day. Basically, a promise an hour for you. You have a promise every hour. And the thing is, if you recall, we discussed this last year, that God's promises, and this is in the first episode of this series about Lego, that God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We talked about this in that first episode, right? We have so many words from Yeshua towards us, so many promises, 
The centurion only needed one and it would change his life. We have been given 8,810. And so the question for me is, what of God's promises are you laying hold of? What are you believing? What word from Yeshua are you holding on to? I believe that this year we must immerse ourselves in God's word. And it's so interesting actually because there are so many different people that I've interacted with over the last couple of weeks who have all started doing the Bible in a year. And I commend them for doing something like, you know, being able to just purpose that you're going to immerse yourself in God's word. But I also recognize that I believe this is the calling of God at this time for his people. And it always has been, but especially now. That we would know his word and believe it. That we would know that all we need is for his word, whatever he has said, that we need to believe it. We need to believe Yeshua's word. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. Yeshua has spoken 8,810 promises to you. Which one of those promises are you believing God for? Which promises? You know, the other day I found this gem in God's word. It's an it's a incredible promise, my goodness. Which was so fascinating. I'd never seen it before. It says, give generously to the poor and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. So I started thinking to myself, I was like, wow. Like, I realized that this, this whole scripture talks about being very kind of tight-fisted towards the poor. And I realized that in a lot of ways, because of the, how much the world has changed, that because now we're all here, especially in Kenya, on M-Pesa, we no longer have cash. And so what happens is, is that whenever you interact with people who are in, in need, oftentimes you don't have anything to give to them. Right? And what this scripture challenged me and made me reach into my heart and re recognize that I do have a tight-fisted heart towards poor people. You know what I mean? Where it's just kind of like, you know, where they come close, you roll up your windows, you're just like, uh, you know, it's just like, we don't, we don't, I don't want to be around you poor guys. And so God began to challenge me that, would you open up your hand and be intentional about being able to do and help poor people forget about trying to figure out why they are poor just help poor people and then he says here in the promise then because of this <laughs> the lord your god will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to what an incredible promise i had never seen this before like i remember reading it and just being like wow what a wonderful promise and so for me now i'm able to think about exercising generosity towards poor people in the context of god's promise not just because I'm like, oh, I'm just such a great guy. It's like, no, if, if, if God is telling me about being open-handed, let me be open-handed. And also, let me believe that by being open-handed, that he will do as he has promised. Amen? For the Lord loves a cheerful giver. There are over 8,000 promises for you in God's word. One for every hour of the day. So what promise of God are you leveraging yourself on? And I encourage you to go and listen to the first message, Lego, to understand this even more deeply. But this leads me to my second point. What the Roman centurion experienced in connecting his authority to that of Yeshua 
was a revelation. It was an insight. It was a moment of clarity that he put into action. You know, the Bible says that Yeshua was not far from the centurion's house before the centurion sent friends to deliver a message to him. Meaning that this aha moment happened while Yeshua was on his way to his house. This aha moment where he's just like, wait a second, if this is a guy who has authority, then all he has to do is to speak the word. He doesn't have to come here. Friends, let me tell you something. When you combine God's word with revelation, or what I like to refer to as insight or perspective, it produces great faith. You know, I'm sure the centurion wasn't conscious that he was exercising great faith. Him himself is probably like, I'm sure in his home he came back, they were like, yo, Jesus was so hype about what you said. He must have been like, really? You know, like, he's just like, oh, but me, I was just, it wasn't like I was trying to have great faith. I was just, it was just something that I, like, just came to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, well, if he has authority, you know. But here is Jesus marveling at this man's great faith. And he must have been so amazed and just being like, wow, I didn't know I was doing this. But the thing is, is that many of us have faith but no perspective. We have no insight. And the reason we don't have insight is because we don't ask for it. You know, what's so fascinating is, is that there are so many times where I'll go to God and I'll talk to him about something. And whenever I ask for, there's so many times where God will give you, like, it's like the thing isn't, the, the way you imagine the thing should be resolved isn't resolved in that way. Instead, what you receive is perspective. The Bible says, he who lacks wisdom, let him ask. He who lacks insight, let him ask. There are many times where you seek understanding regarding a situation. And rather than God changing that situation, instead he gives you perspective. He helps you understand it from a different way. And because of that perspective, you're able to exercise great faith. Because he shows you a situation, you, you're like, man, I need to get out of this situation. Then he gives you perspective and you begin to see it differently. And now all of a sudden, the thing that you're praying for changes. Why? Because he has given you perspective. Let me tell you, when you have the word of God and you combine that with revelation, with perspective, it produces great faith. And the beauty about perspective this is the thing that is so beautiful, is that God graciously gives us perspective when we ask for it, when we seek it out. Now, what happens oftentimes for us is that when we pray, oftentimes because we are so hell-bent, heaven-bent on a certain situation happening, we want it to happen in this way. This is the thing that I want to happen. Right? So we go there and we pray and believe and have faith. Very few times do we ever go to seek perspective on a situation. To ask God, Lord, help me see this thing in the way that you want me to see this thing. Help me understand the situation in the way you want me to understand the situation. There are some things that we're just so uncomfortable. All we want is what we want. But few times do we ever seek God for perspective. Ephesians 1, 15-19 says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order 
that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Here, Paul is commending the faith of these believers, but he's saying, I'm praying that your faith will be combined with perspective, with insight, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation to see things, to see things the way he's seeing things, to gain perspective that you may be able to exercise great faith. Revelation comes from God. Perspective comes from Him. He is able to open our eyes to see. And this opening of our eyes is what allows us to exercise great faith in Him. And so when you're able to combine that, the Word and perspective, whoo, whoo, that's where it is. Equals, it, equals, it equals great faith and allows us to be able to basically um, exercise great faith. Now lastly, I don't think it's any coincidence that the guy exercising the kind of faith that caused Jesus to be stunned and the first Gentile to receive the gospel are both centurions. What's unique about these two individuals, one who has exercised great faith, Jesus is amazed, and this other guy who literally was the first Gentile to hear the gospel and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think that the thing that is the commonality is that people who understand authority and how it works, people who understand authority and how it works are able to exercise great faith. I love how he explains his authority, this centurion, where he says, he doesn't say that I am a man with authority, but instead he says, I am a man under authority. That he's saying, the reason why I'm able to exercise authority is because I am under authority. So meaning that the people who are obeying my word are not obeying me, they're obeying the authority that I am under. They're obeying the authority of the, of the, 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 the what do they call the, the kingdom, the realm, <laughs> the, the empire, yes. They're, they're obeying the authority of the empire by obeying me because I too am a man under authority. And so the reason why he's able to exercise authority is because he is under authority. The reason why this stands out so profoundly to me is because many of us live our lives as though we are the final authority in the affairs of our lives. We do not understand that we are living under the authority of the living God. And so, we don't consult God on things. We move on about like those with authority, not those under authority. The thing is, is that you are not the Lord of your life. The, the people who we are seeing here who are able to exercise great faith are those under authority. They operate under the confines of their commissioning authority. And so the question is, who's running your life? Who's making all the decisions for you? The other day, there was a great opportunity that was offered to me. And while I was in the moment, I was already scheming and just being like, this is what I'm going to do, Nini. This is what gonna, well, I'm going to do this. Oh, my gosh. And then I had a moment where then I remembered, wait. But have you even talked to God about this before you go jumping the gun? Are you even sure this is from him in the first place? Right? So this thing has come, but now 
my mind had already moved into the place where I was operating as one with authority, like, what am I going to do versus as one under authority who literally would be, let me go talk to God about this. Let me actually go and seek his wisdom, his counsel, his understanding. Because if I lived like one with authority, I would not consult my heavenly father about it. But as one under authority, I must. And the thing is, is that for all of us, is for us to understand that how we can be able to exercise great faith is by us fundamentally understanding that we are under the authority of God. And you will reap the benefits of great faith when you choose to live as one under authority. Where you intentionally and regularly seek the Father to understand, to seek wisdom, to seek direction. If you remember the story in Joshua where the Israelites went and signed a contract with some guys who God had said were their enemies, but they didn't know because they had disguised themselves. And it says that the reason why these guys did it is because they did not consult the Lord. They made a mistake, but the mistake they made is that they didn't go and consult. Because if they went and consulted, God would have told them, these guys are deceiving you. And so then they were operating as those with authority. We can just sign. Not recognizing that they were under authority and that they needed to first and foremost go and seek the Lord to understand how they should operate in this situation. When you intentionally and regularly seek the Father, like Yeshua did, that we talked about last week, where you go to regularly to places, to lonely places to, to pray, you are, you're basically operating as one under authority. And this is the key, that this is the thing that this guy marvels at, that Yeshua marvels at. This guy was a man under authority. Are you under authority? Who runs your life? Who is the Lord of your life? Is it you? Are you the one with authority? Or are you one under authority? Amen? And so let me do this. I want to summarize the three points that I've just mentioned today. The first one is, one word from Christ can change your life. We have thousands of promises given to us that we can anchor our lives on. And so my question is, what promises are you anchoring your life on this year from God's word? And the second thing that I said is that the word plus perspective produces great faith and that perspective comes from God. Ask God for perspective into different situations so you can exercise great faith. And the last thing that I mentioned is that do not live like someone with authority. Live like someone under authority. Seek the Lord in the decisions of your life. Live as one under authority. Amen. Amen. Allow me to pray for us. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word today. Father, I thank you that you are Lord of our lives and we submit to you. Father, I pray in Jesus' holy name that you would remind us consistently to operate as those who are under authority. That every single thing that you're calling us to do, everything that you have ordained for us to do, can only be done under your authority. And so, Father, may you place it on our hearts to consistently come to you. And I, I ask that you'd forgive us for the times where we have, we have gone rogue, where we have operated as these lone rangers. 
and have not depended upon you to grant us and to give us wisdom and to guide our steps. And so today we submit ourselves before you. Would you guide us? Would you lead us? Would you grant us perspective? For it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.